Thank you. You good to go? Good. So we decided to stream this. Uh, we got permission from Competition Archery Media Lancaster Archery to stream this from the Variable Project. Um, for those of you who don't know uh, who we are, um, my name is Frank McDonough. Um, a kind of the figurehead of the Variable Project and kind of dedicated the last three years of my life, four years actually, I guess, to um, really kind of facing target panic head on and switching from a compound elliptic recurve background to, to barebow. And then I'm joined here by this goofy looking guy with a princess. Um, <laughs> he's very serious. Yeah, always, always. You know, it's funny though, <laughs> the presence of what we are looking at there is literally the epitome of what you need to deal with target <laughs> <laughs> Mr. John Denver. So we were talking about, you know, because people freak out about, oh, we'll talk about target panic. And, and they're like, oh, if I talk about it, you know, I'm going to get it like it's a disease. That's not the case at all. Um, if, you, if, you are, if you're thinking in that manner, you're already in the wrong mindset. More of an interactive, like at least the first half hour, and we'll see how it goes from there. More of an interactive approach to this seminar. So that's where we take from you all and with your shot. When is it happening? And we're going to work through it on the dry erase board with his brain, scary enough, my brain, and and really kind of let's let's peel back the layers of the onion. And find where find out where the issue is, and then how do you then how do you go forward? And a lot of people have the hard time of I don't know what to do. You can mentally talk yourself through anything, but if you have other things that are underlying issues, you're never going to fix it. And, and that's to fix it as best as you can. Correct. So, um, so who wants to be the lucky volunteer that wants to give us? What you're, we need to know what you're shooting. I mean, most people in here are shooting barebow, but not everyone. So we want to know, and Peter, you, should, you put your hand up first, so we'll go with you first. We want to know what's happening and when, and then we're going to kind of divulge from that first. And, well, you know, we're going to put, we're going to give it, a, give it a, 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 a circle up here, and then we're going to start working off of that because there's a good chance that what you're going through, somebody else is going through, or they're going, they're hitting the same things. And they're going to relate to each other. So, what? Go ahead. Can you draw on the board? No. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> you graduated. This is not preschool anymore. Oh. But do you have an actual thing? Yeah. So okay. in so my shot process, I feel like I have a lot of checkpoints. Uh, physical first, I draw, get to uh, set up my anchor, so my springboard, um, and then when I start the aiming process, I'm about four o'clock off the paper. Uh, what I found is, uh, in practice, I like to go to 12 o'clock. I'm looking at the yellow, like it's got a corner line, like an arrow tip goes to 12 o'clock, and then it drops in. In practice, I can hold it, once it gets to yellow, I can hold it for three, four, 10 seconds, and then give myself permission to shoot. Uh, and my, my, what I noticed is that my, at the range I shoot at, like a couple people start going like, oh, you know, watching, I get more nervous, and it goes from like five seconds to like two seconds to get. Um, and then today, during qualifications, I was like, I kept telling myself, three second hold, three second hold, get here. I got lucky it was like two seconds, and the arrow was gone. Uh, I was getting really lucky with like the mini drive-bys, um, but towards like arrow 51, I was, it was just straight drive-by. I'm just like, I'm just trying to I'm trying to curve the arrows into the yellow because I'm so like mentally exhausted from just trying to get myself to hold like I normally do. Okay. Alright, so how do we define that? Um we're just trying to watch. Just put drive by. That's gonna that's gonna be a popular one, I'm sure. So drive by. Alright. Anybody else experience drive by? Show a raise a hand. Okay. Perfect. Alright. 
So what do you think? Well, would it be better just to have everybody give what they want or give what issues they have and then... Yeah, let's do that. Let's get like a bunch of... All right, that's good. So what we'll do is we'll come back to it and we'll do a round table around that. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Matt Zernzak. Uh, so I don't have too much problem getting my tip to where it needs to go uh, and executing that way. But my big issue is the performance anxiety. So I, like I can... I can get my tip where it needs to go, let it sit there and float, but I have a process that I've committed to in practice. Um, but once I get into a larger competition, my problem is completely bailing on the process, right? I just, it's not blackout or anything, like I'll, I'll drop, I can get the tip where I need it to go, and then I start my execution phase, and then as I'm executing, you know, let's say it's a three second, you know, expansion, I'll go, 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 like right, two milliseconds before I know it's time to go, I'm bailing out of the shot and it's, and it's only in these really high pressure situations like here. Okay, all right, good. Thank you. Go ahead. I had shot out the position one time. Well, I'm better than that, and I went to the bare bones. And I went through the whole thing. Get everything up, you know, get my form and everything. When I get it up and put that point down there, try to get a flurry, I get the point, I just want it to so, are you like getting stuck? Yeah, it's there. I'm like the foot, I ain't like that. I ain't like question what's that. I'm fine, but that's good. It's not like. Okay. Okay. I don't know how to put that one. Um, are, you, are, you, are you letting go as soon as it gets there? Like, a lot of times. Yeah, it's not actually a drive by, but yeah, it gets yeah, to a point of the river by that pen. You're talking, John. Hey, you came here. You're talking. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I shake when I start hanging. Okay. Fair book? Uh, yeah. Long book. Long book? All right. Um, oh, well, first of all, I put Kalaf. Kalaf? Yeah, Kalaf. Yeah, cool. Uh, so we'll just put shaking right here. I think that's going to be a common thing. People go through that. Anybody else here getting the, get the shakes? Shakes, shakes. Lots of heads. John, I, I think mine falls into some kind of stuck aim, but I think part of it, I'm shooting large diameter arrows, arrows, so my aiming point is not well refined. It's a very large, you know, bat, what is it, an Easton 23 or whatever. Okay. So, and it seems to just get stuck below the elbow, and then I compromise. I think, like, sometimes I want the crest of the arrow at the bottom of the yellow, or yep. maybe it's that red yellow interface. Yeah. And, and I think that aiming point changes because mentally, my aiming point is so large that I don't concentrate on aiming small. Okay. So I don't know if that's hyper. Let, let's unravel it a little bit. It's yeah. good. Um, for me, um, I freeze. Like, I'm shy in the yellow. So when I'm at full draw and anchor, like, I, like, I just can't get the yellow. Yeah, that's going to be the same as stuck. It's a compound, but when I pull back and I anchor in on it, and you get in the dot, and the bow just sits there and bottles up and down. It's not really shaking all over, but it sits there and goes up and down. Mm. I mean, this way, especially when I'm aiming. Yeah, we'll just talk about it under shaking. Um, there's still a similarity to compound and barebow and electric recurve for that purpose, though, without a doubt. 
discussion that we'll, we'll probably get into when we start talking about holding position, biomechanics, um, and stuff like that. So that's that's good that you're that you're having that conversation. I would I would be curious to see what your full drop position looks like, both from a face value and then up from above, because oftentimes that's 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 what it is, you know. And then we'll we'll get into that. So uh, anybody else? There were other hands. Yeah, go ahead. So when I get to full draw, my tip is always at twelve o'clock white, and I immediately say to myself, you know, just get tips, get tip to yellow. But as I'm bringing my tip to yellow, my tip stops uh, at uh, twelve o'clock red on seven eight. So it's a combination of stuck aim. So I try to force myself to slowly go down to yellow, but at the same time, I'm trying to hold that hold that hold that tension. I'm so that physicality of trying to hold it, it's starting to creep in, and then all of a sudden I collapse. Mm -hmm. Then when I get to the yellow, then I release. So it's right. kind of like a slow drive-by and stuck in combination of some way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's yeah. I think that's already kind of that's kind of up here already. Anybody else? Before we start, really kind of unraveling some of this stuff. No. Sure. How many of you, in some way, already can relate to something that's on the board? Let's, let's put that out there. Okay. All right. Good. Excellent. So, you know, we first we talked about, um, you know, like top three things to help and stuff like that. So I'm going to follow this up real quick with a with a question, and that is, have you tried? fixing it yourself? And were you successful in any means necessary? No, just didn't know where to go, didn't know how to move on, didn't know how to fix it. So I don't know anybody that aims better than he does, other than eyesight, because that stuff you can't really. But, so let's talk about, let's just, let's just talk, because everything's aiming oriented, uh, except for performance anxiety. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about aim, a, a proper aim, a comfortable aim, a little bit, and then let's start going by. Uh, I, I think that's just going to be very individual. Like you know, my aim's going to be probably a little bit more you know, smaller than Frank's. Um, yeah, for sure. Grayson's might be a little bit tighter than mine right now. Um, we have to be honest with ourselves. Um, first and foremost, we got to be honest with ourselves. Like you know, not everybody can pull out a driver and hit as far as. videos or you know we'll have discussion people post stuff on Instagram and we look at it and you know you guys don't see these conversations but we're like you know why this person's having this problem because they're just exploding out of the shot every time and they're not working on it um, so we're gonna just put holding position here and we're just gonna start connecting it to I would let's get a survey of the room do you think that the holding position is going to have an effect on you drive on your drive bys. Yes or no? Yeah. Yes. Okay. You are correct. I would agree. How about stuck aim and sight picture? If your holding position isn't consistent or solid, do you think that it's going to have an impact on your sight picture being stuck? Do you think that's everybody? Is that a mutual agreement across the room? Okay. Good. 
shaking. Definitely. Definitely. I got, I got a definitely. Does everybody agree with definitely? Yes, okay. <clears throat> Collapsing. If anybody says no, I swear. <laughs> 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 All right. And then performance anxiety. A little bit. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, a little bit. It's not going to be like 100%, but definitely. Well, are you it's going gonna, to, it's going to make it more relaxed. For sure. it, oh, for sure. This will happen less. But think about it. If you are collapsing and you know you're collapsing, is that going to is that going to affect this? Yes. If you are shaking, it's gonna make and, that circle bigger. Oh, it's gonna make <laughs> <right now. laughs> How many of you? And I'll give you an example of where this can come in. How many of you have banged two arrows down the middle, right to ten ring? That third one gets there. Your brain goes to who knows. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, because uh, you know what happened. So that's a perfect example. So shaking all of a sudden, I mean, this is literally going to look like a roadmap, map, and we're done. But, so shaking, obviously, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to try to keep it as clean as I can. I'll come around this side. So we, we agree that shaking is, is jumping into performance anxiety. If you're occasionally shooting drive-bys, let's say there was a young lady that took our seminar that we did last weekend, Stephanie McCullough, right? Her husband said, you should, you should tell these people about that seminar just because she had a 100-point improvement in one week. One week. Took our seminar, came to the classic, shot a 100-point personal best. She shot a 430. She has shot zero competitions in her life. Just practice scores. And we changed a few things, and we gave her you know, the inf some information, but her holding position, her natural holding position, I'm, I, I'm jealous of. It's incredible. It's very similar to his, believe it or not. And it's just natural. But it's amazing what you can do when you can clear up the brain and you start, let's say, let's say we get rid of, we, we just work on this one thing. What have we already accomplished and what it hurts here and its effect on all of these. And obviously, Bail, I, I put this in here and I didn't circle it because we bail out of shots for so many reasons. Tons of reasons. So do we all agree that holding position is definitely one of, if not the most important thing that is affecting all of these things, all of these things that, sorry Lancaster, under that umbrella of target pan. Um, but do you understand? And I'm gonna—I'll go out on a limb and say, if you work with a coach who doesn't look at this first, they don't know. They're not really—they're not really addressing your issue. They're just trying to mentally talk you through it. I've said it a million times. I mean, form isn't everything. We've had that discussion too. You know, we see people with super unconventional form shoot amazing scores. I think the difference in in that is when you have a really solid holding position, compound related. This is 100, I'm a, I'm a compound shooter, he's a compound shooter. It's not, it's not any different. Um, but when you clean up that holding position, it allows you to be more comfortable at full draw. I'm obviously not shaped the same as him. I'm a lot taller, longer limbs. The full draw position that uses the biomechanics gets rid of the extra muscles that are recruited so that you don't have to hold still. The holding position is going to fix a lot of your um, performance anxiety. And that would, however it's related. Do you wanna, do you wanna, do you wanna? You're good, you're good. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Just like the podcast. Um, the other thing I will, I will also say about holding position, you guys hear me talk about it, from a coaching standpoint, is that negative tension thing. Um, when we did our seminar, we did that, that best drill that I talk about, and uh, I don't have anybody here that took the, you took it. Um, remember when we talked about when you close your eyes and you naturally float one direction or the other, and how you all of a sudden notice that's where your misses are going, right? The holding position, just because it looks good doesn't mean it's great. And you may still be leaking negative tension into your shot somehow. 
If you are adding extra tension that you don't need into your full draw holding position, that's going to open the door to target panic too. The goal is to get comfortable. You have to kind of be stable but comfortable at the same time. It's a little counterintuitive, um, but it's a thing. Um, I, and and I, I say that because, you know, his way of getting to a full drop position, and me and Elton have had this conversation in pretty depth, your way of getting into a position with that little bit of a, um, the way your shoulders come up a little bit, but it's super strong and incredibly simple. And that's probably one of the things that, that if we could say anything, when you think about change making changes, how many of you shot today or yesterday and you're already thinking about what do I need to change? <laughs> okay, good. So we're all, we're all in, that, in that state of mind already. And maybe you don't need to change. That's where, I guess, that's where being realistic with yourself. Yeah. Maybe you just need more time. Maybe what you're doing is good. But you want to go from 500 to 550 overnight, and it rarely happens. And if it does happen, a lot of times, within a year or two, it does this. Because then you, you're not exercising the brain with the physical part, and your, your expectation thinks you're here, but in reality, you're still here. You didn't refine what's going on up here. Mm -hmm. um, so that holding position, the idea of it, it comes with some, working with somebody that, that understands it. And I will say this cautiously, try to work with someone who has been in that situation. Try to work with a coach that understands it from within, not just listen to my words, okay? Doesn't matter, and I don't care where that's at, but you need to have somebody that understands what you're going through while you're competing. It helps a tremendous amount. What are the things that you look at though? When you when somebody sends you videos, I know you get videos quite often. What are some of the things that you look at? A lot of it's just alignment, and the people that have a lot of issues are ones that, that I mean, maybe they personally can't get in alignment, but they're like so far out that everything they're doing is working against them. They're just working against themselves. They're making their job way too hard um, you know whether it be elbow out and now you got like all these extra muscles that you shouldn't be using because you're not using the full strength of your body and your build and that's like you get shakier quicker you collapse more um, that's like my biggest uh, issue that I see is the poor alignment so they never get to like a very strong holding position um, for me holding position is like absolute key um, collapses for me is more mental like for me, a collapse, if I collapse, it's more, it's not holding, it's I've already let go of the arrow, I've already quit. I pretty much failed my shot, it's done. But it never, it actually never happened. Uh, shaking, I'm like, I never shake, like hardly ever, yeah, because my holding, much, yeah. holding position is strong. So I never shake, I don't usually drive by um, sight, picture, stuff game, never, because holding position is super strong, I'm super confident. Like, I get the holding position, I'm confident on everything, I know my aim's gonna be good because it's just gonna be easy. I can just move it there. Because everything is like pure strength. There's there's not like one weakness in the only position. Yeah. Um, so for me it's always form. Like someone shooting a very subpar form. Like even like if you work with Robbie in the beginning, Robbie's form, like he, from the outsider it looks pretty good, but yeah. it definitely wasn't strong. And you know, he had a lot of shaky shots. You watch him shoot and he's he shake he shakes quite a bit. Yeah, yeah definitely let me prep. Let me just let me put one little like editor's note on that. If you make changes to your form, don't expect amazing results within one tournament. If your expectation is I just changed my form, I'm going to be great. There's a lot more that goes into that. Mm -hmm. So again, it's about being re realistic about about yourself. And it, that's that's the uh, that we have this incredible habit of putting ourselves up on this huge pedestal and you need to stop doing that. No, and, and I'm gonna be completely honest with you, nobody gives a shit how you shoot. <laughs> nobody. You do, and you do too much. You're not focused on what's happening. You're not focused on the shot. That's where you have to draw yourself back and be like, ZFG, I'm not gonna say it, but ZFG, he put it in his Instagram post. It's the truth. That's the approach you have to have. Zermzak experienced this a little bit, you know. You can see a demeanor change. I, don't, I didn't get to see you shoot, 
But that demeanor has to stick with you when you're practicing, when you're training, when you're um, competing, whether it's qualifications, and it really needs to be a, a, a present in eliminations and head-to-heads. Well, it's kind of funny. Uh, one end, I shot a 31, and I just shake my head and walk out of the line. I'm like, why are you so mad at that? I'm like, no, it's, that's normal. That's like, I shoot a good end, same demeanor. Shoot a bad end, Absolutely same demeanor. Same demeanor. Yep. You can't let that you know, build up. And, and well, and we always talk about the, like target painting does not define who you are. It doesn't change. you're the same person when you walk into a tournament that you are when you leave. And we get so hard on ourselves. You have to let it go. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna say right. Yeah. You know, let's talk about that holding position, and then we we talk. The shaking, holding position and shaking, there's a good chance, like who was it said they were stuck below? I think you both said you get stuck below, right? Or no, you get stuck, stuck, stuck above and stuck, stuck, stuck below. But are you shaking? Good chance that your holding position is pretty damn good. You might have a few things that you can make change. Think about that. If you're not shaking and you're just getting stuck, but you're pretty calm with that stuff, it almost feels like there's like a weight on your, and it just won't move. It's not that, it's, it's that you are, do we have, we didn't write it, uh, we didn't really write it. Well, the sight picture driven, you have a sight picture driven release. So you know as soon as it gets there, you wanna let go. So what do you, so how do you get, how do you get through that? You know, we're talking, okay, decent holding position, you can hold steady, how do we get through that? How do we break that cycle, right? We have the wrong shooting cycle, for sure. Right, um, that's the problem, it's the wrong shooting cycle. Yeah. Like, like aim, like everybody aims. Everybody has to aim. You can't shoot an arrow without aiming. And if that's not built into your shot sequence at one point or another, you have to keep working through your whole shot sequence. And the aim is the step. You know, you have to. Like, you can't shoot an arrow until you aim. Uh, well, you can't shoot well. Um, so that has to be a step. You can't move past to shooting an arrow after you aim. So you, you basically, you're trying, when you get stuck and stuff, you're trying to short circuit this step. You need to work through that step, develop that step, and when you're getting through, just like I mean, just like your stance, you work through that. You don't get stuck on that. You know that you work. Same thing with aim. That's something that you're not conditioned. Basically, you're not conditioned to do yet. Um, you think you are, or maybe maybe you have all good intentions, but you're not. You're not there yet. You like this is probably other. I mean, I see this a lot. You know, mm -hmm. drive-bys and flaps, mm -hmm. but I see this a lot too. And that's usually people I've seen traditionally grow up thinking, okay, I gotta draw that arrow on that target the whole time and then let it go. But they're not even hitting full drop because they're sight picture shooting. No, and I will I will go out and limb and say that's one good thing about our national training system is that they emphasize there is no aiming going on. I watch uh, Barbo and, and Trad Archers do this. They get up and they go, and they're already looking down the tip of the arrow. If you're looking down the tip of the arrow right here, in my opinion, I don't know, he might differ a little bit. You're looking here, your mind's already on aiming. Get rid of it. Oh, you mean before you draw? Yeah, like you come up into the setup position here and you're already looking at the tip of the arrow. Or, because I see all the time two people's head go. And the chances are you're already looking at the tip of the arrow. We don't even know it. We get the full draw so many times. And I bet you, if you guys went to the practice range after this, and you go through your, your, your shot process, and you get to your setup position, and when you're there, you are so mentally committed, you're scared, like literally purposely avoiding the tip of the arrow. That arrow will go to the middle without any issues. You're gonna be like, and then all of a sudden, you're gonna shoot another one. It'll go in the middle. You might shoot six, and you're like, oh, this works. And then you're gonna get hungry. And you're gonna get um, what's the word? Um, no, not complacent. You're gonna uh, may okay, maybe complacent. You're going to look at that arrow going in the middle, and you're just gonna think that's what I want. That's what I want. And you're not thinking about well, how did I get it? Oh, because I didn't look at the tip of my arrow, and I was focusing on my hold, and I left it go where it needed to go because I wasn't looking at it. He has a unique ability to be able to focus on the target and the tip of the arrow and keep them both clear. 
Um, not everybody has that. I know I don't. I have to do that whole tape thing and all that other stuff. But we also have an ability to look at the target, but we're still concentrating in our peripheral. Same with compound. Happens with compound. In our peripheral, we're still concentrating too hard on the pin or the tip of the arrow. You don't need to stare at the tip of the arrow to aim. You need to focus on the hold consciously. Jack Wallace talked about a little bit about about you need to be keep that conscious mind occupied, but the subconscious mind can make that release happen amazing. You just have to learn how to flip the switch and be able to stay in that conscious mind through through the hold. And while the aim is automatically going to happen, you're going to because you're not thinking about aiming, it's going to happen. Um, I think you get to a point as a shooter, which I know he's at, Grayson and a few others, Dillinger, who they've been doing it for so long that that aim comes a little bit more natural. Um, don't Again, it comes down to comparing yourself or being realistic. Don't compare yourself to John Demmer or Grayson or a Frederick or an Eric John. Don't compare yourself to those guys. You're not them. I'm not them. None of us are. They put their time in. You're still putting yours in, as am I. So you have to take you have to take the, the idea of what do I need to do to get this individual aspect of my shot better, and then work on that. And I talked about that in the podcast with with Matt. Actually, I don't know where Matt went. Um, about shooting at high volume of arrows at the highest level possible. You know, if you take a new shooter and just put them at 18 meters and just say, "Let's go shoot," you'll get better. Is that really good advice? So even if you're a semi accomplished, say you're a 500 indoor barebell shooter, it's a pretty good score. If you just shoot 18 meters, do you think that 500 score is going to climb? Just shoot it, you're just shooting 18 meters and scoring all the time. Is it going to climb? It may. It may. Slowly. You know, maybe some bright spots and then some dips, but it'll, it'll get better. So what kind of things can we do? to make the individual aspects. How many of us have a, a little A? I did a couple of A's yesterday. Oh. <laughs> How many have a little F? You got, got one of these, boom. Or every once in a while it's good and then all of a sudden it goes bang and it just takes off, right? So how do you change, train the release? Any ideas? Any guesses? Come on. Wind your eyes and feelings. Wind bell? Yeah. Any, how many of you in here do wind bell? Compounders? Okay, you didn't raise your hand? I mean, I don't Do you know what blind bail is? Yeah. Okay. So I separate the two. Blind bail is eyes closed, three, five meters. Blank bail is eyes open, no target face. You know? So I mean, I do that. I take my sight off the board. But... Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest with you. When you close your eyes, like if we shut the blinds, turn the lights off, and everything's pitch black dark, don't your other senses come alive? Right on. You have to find that part of the feel of the shot to you understand when you train it. So in those moments where maybe your aim wasn't real, real great, you will fall back in that pattern. You have to train it. So it's just a performance measure. It's like, it's a, it's a performance point of the shot process. Break the shot process down. Is my stance repeatable? Is my hook repeatable? Or my hand position on my release, whatever release you use. Um, is my grip repeatable? Am I doing it one time? That's another thing we saw at the seminar. People were, we, we see shooters across the world, and I'm way off topic a little bit here, but simple, simplicity, uh, what's your acronym? Oh, it's just KISS. KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Make your shot process simple. Don't do all that extra stuff. Make it a, a, a forgivable, an easygoing, solid shot process. That's it. That's it. Don't do all the extra stuff, right, Peter? Right? Don't do all the extra stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. I think that I think we kind of we kind of covered the idea of the holding position. So we know that whole about the holding position. Good upright position. Not a lot of excessive movement. Go from the set position 
to the setup position, whatever your process is, getting right to anchor, I have found, is a super, super beneficial thing. Not big, huge movements and doing all of this crazy, cockamamie stuff. Just get there, you know, and get there in sort of a direct line and have a solid anchor. Um, we found, one thing we found at the seminar was a lot of people are shooting a super, super shallow hook. You can get away with that on a creeker. You got a clicker. All you have to do is get through the clicker. But in Barefoot, there's this like fallacy that, oh, I can't make a deep hook shoot good. Uh, you know, honestly, I think in some ways you can, you can get a deep hook to work better because you're away from those nerve endings on the ends of the fingers. Plus, it makes you, it does a couple of things. One, it gives you a really strong hold. You know, you, you can't, you, you can train to let go, you can train to let that string pull through the fingers. And two, it gets that string away from your nose a little bit further. Um, how many of you have a definitive anchor point as well? Let's talk about that. You have a definitive anchor point. Okay. Young lady, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. What's your anchor point? What is it? The corner of my mouth. But what is it? What details to the anchor point do you have? Uh, so, my, my tab, I do have a deep pull. Okay. So it comes in so I can pull it back and feel my thumb just barely touch the jawline. Okay. So I know that that is where I need to be set. Okay, good. You, do you pay attention to your thumb? Not so much. Yeah, you, you just, you're, are you, well you switch. My, this my, guy switches anchor point like most people switch their underwear. Twice <laughs> <laughs> a month. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But yeah, my, my primary focus is, um, I'm always using index finger, wherever, whether it's yeah. high tooth, upper, yeah. Yeah. usually upper or lower. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that, Anastasia, because a lot of people don't even pay attention to their thumb. My next question, if I was your coach, I would say, well, why is it a light, why are you only lightly touching your thumb? That's you don't have to answer it. No, you don't have to answer it. I would say, use that thumb, give it a job. It's not gonna hurt nothing. If you aren't moving your head excessively in one way or the other, that head is a really good draw length to check, isn't it? You're in a stable position, right? This is our most stable position. Whether you, if you move your head a little bit, you know that's okay. It's not in the world, but at all, it's, there's plenty of people that do it and make it work. You want to? If it's not, I'm not telling you not to do it. But if you're still developing consistency, you should probably know what you're doing and make sure you're doing it the same every time. Um, but with that thumb, you can get that thumb wrapped around the back, and it ain't going nowhere. And if your head isn't moving forward, you should be able to pretty much get to that exact same spot. If you're in that same part, you know, how many of you like truly double check your hook before you roll the bow back? All that stuff, that's good, awesome. All that stuff affects in, in the long run, because if you're second guessing your hook, have you ever drawn back and like, well, that doesn't feel quite right, but you ran the shot anyway? Yeah. Well, why? Let it down. Fix it and do it right. Um, or turn it into a draw or something. I mean, make, at least make some use out of it. Don't, don't just go that way. Um, I can't believe it's almost an hour already. We need to cut the whole No, you don't show Because you don't talk. Um, all right, that's good. I don't think we need to go out. They didn't give us. Way to go, PJ. We need to get Alright, let's, let's go into some other Tartar Panic related topics. Um, well, how would you how would you address this? The stub game. I'll leave this up there. So, as someone who went through the stuck game and then it turned into mini drive flies for me, um, which you can shoot decent scores that way. There's no question. The stuck game for me is without a doubt something you train in drills and then the mental game, because this. Nine times out of ten, like I was saying, if you're not shaking and you have a good holding position, nine times out of ten, mentally, you're not allowing yourself to aim. Truly aim and hold. Hold, aim, hold, I like to say. Hold, let the aim happen, continue to hold. And that process of 
we get to a good holding position and all of a sudden we're concentrating on the tip of the arrow. So I do a lot of drills. And if you listen to the podcast or have heard me talk about coaching, drills, drills, drills. You can break the cycle by getting comfortable with the hold. Go ahead. I'm stuck in, is I've gone everywhere from eight ounce yo stuff to almost two kilo. Weights definitely, some will stick, some will float easier. For me, lighter weights are going to float all over. The more weight I put on, the more it's stable, but then you get to a point of no return or diminishing return if you fatigue in your. So, what about weights on the boat as far as stuff being? Uh, that's going to be for That's going to be different from for everybody. Like a lot of the stuff that we've talked, like Greg talked about, it, it's going to be all individualistic. Yeah. Like, I like to go the weights six and three quarter pounds. That's what holds the best for me. It's always holds the best for me for like the last five, six years. Um, I just place the weights where I need to weight, put them. Um, but, you know, you might be seven pounds. You might be six and a half pounds. Like, we're all going to be different. Like, can't you run to like 10, 20 pounds? Um, good for you yeah. and you're okay with it, then stick, stick with it. But if you want more, you got to try the other stuff to see if you can get more. Yep. Thank you. So, it, it just also to go back on the weights, like if you're using weight to try to fix your getting stuck, it's not the problem. Yeah. It might help if you find a weight that shoots better, but nine times out of ten, we don't even know what our bow does after the shot because we're flailing in the wind or, you know, doing mini drive-bys, and you don't really know what the reaction is on the bow. I mean, to truly understand what the reaction is on the bow, you know, you, there's, a, there's a handful of us out there, watch it, you know, we're at full draw, and you see that good shot, the string pulls through the fingers, we're not letting go. String pulls through the fingers, the barrel of the gun, you know, that NTS term, stays in, intact, the bow shoots straight forward toward the target, and the bow arm doesn't move. I've said this a million times, and it, a holding position affects it. 
Stuck aim is in anticipation of that explosion. You're just waiting, you're because you're like, whoa, we got some middle, I'm gone. You have to you so if we're going to expect this big explosion to happen, that stuck aim is going to be the precursor to the explosion. But what if we get rid of the explosion? Right? Should I should I do the arm circle thing? Have you how many of you guys have done the arm circle thing? A couple of you have. Alright, so we're gonna do an interactive thing. Why don't you get up and face this way? Everybody stand up. We're gonna talk about how this has a target pain effect. I want you to go like this. Put your arms straight out, try not to poke the person next to you. Alright? We want a nice, calm bow arm. Do we all agree? Right? So we're gonna make our bow arm, we're gonna take little tiny circles with our bow arm. Tiny, tiny circles. Let's pretend we have one of those big flailing releases. Go big, big circles with the other one. What happens to your bow arm? Start Starts moving, doesn't yeah. it? Do they start fighting each other a little bit? All right, sit down. John and I talk often, we talked about it in the seminar, about that even tension. Um, it's an important role in his, something that I've been working on developing myself probably the last like six months. Uh, it really started to make sense for me around the US Open, the Outdoor Target National started to make sense. It's a hard thing to do, but it makes aiming so much easier. You guys just demonstrated for yourselves that a big release and a steady bow arm are fighting, they're fighting each other. Our brain wants us to map, wants the 50-50. We want to match that tension on both sides. Um, that's a big part of your ability to hold steady, right? Yeah. So can you talk about how you developed that and what the effect has been or, or why it's been so beneficial? Uh, it's, it's like everything else, we need balance. Um, for me, if, if I, it's, it's kind of weird. So like I'm holding 40 pounds, right? If I'm pushing and I'm trying to push like 50 pounds and I'm trying to release at like 38 pounds, I'm gonna have a slight collapse. Um, if I'm going too explosive, everything wants to just over expand. And I start running into contact on the, on the wire, the rest, my arm guard. Yeah. I start running into a lot of contact. If I try to shoot, again, if I'm trying to shoot 40 pounds and I try to shoot like a 38 pound shot, I start collapsing a lot more. But if I run it where I'm holding 40 and I'm just giving a little push, a little pull, it seems to be work so much better. Everything is so, uh, so much more relaxed, effortless. Um, Does I got, it make this a lot easier to deal with? Yeah, because everything is, is much calmer. Everything is like, you, we do need that balance. Um, I had a, uh, a comment today at shooting, and a young lady was like, wow, you, you don't really have that much of a follow through, that much, you know, your forearm pretty steady. I'm like, yeah, because they work hand in hand. I'm like, I can't just completely rip it and try to hold that bow on that, because now this turns into work. I have to overwork to keep that steady. Yep. And if I'm ripping, you know, this thing, like you demonstrated, it wants to move. And now I'm focusing more on this, and now I'm like, now I'm starting to anticipate more. Everything starts to get a little bit more pressure. Um, so yeah, for me, it's I, you got to find your personal balance that works for you too. Um, it might be just a little bit more dynamic. It might be a little bit more relaxed, as long as you don't start creeping into like the dead style release, because then your ups and downs can get you know, they can get pretty erratic. You can't shoot pretty good that way. Chances are you're probably not going to shoot. To your peak performance, yeah. you know, as close to your peak performance over time, consistently, you're going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's a perfect um, explanation. So why wouldn't you want to at least adopt that principle into your shot process? The trick is, well, how do you do it, right? Um, just to, to give some some backstory on, there's a a notion that a shallow release has a negative effect on you or on your body, stuff like that. What happens after a holding position has no negative effect on you other than how well the arrow goes in the middle of the target. So, well, think case, of, case in point with Olympic Reeker, Brady doesn't have a dynamic release. No, he doesn't. Who, who in their right mind would tell you, okay, Brady's gonna have some body issues. I mean, nobody shoots more than Brady for the last, what, 20 years, 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a good example of not very explosive, yeah. 
kind of controlled, not a super, you don't see him flinging bow arm that hard. Yeah. Um, when he does fling it, it's usually because it didn't break in the middle and his body's subconsciously trying to correct it. Yeah. Um, but his typical shot, if it's in the middle and he lets it go, I mean, it's just like. Yeah, he finishes. It. If you watch, and I love the video, Brady's slow motion videos or the shoot like me videos, watch Brady's release. Watch the hand does not move. The string pulls through and then his natural motion finishes. Even the NTS, I'll give it credit there, it even says in the NTS that the draw hand should stay near the jaw and the neck. That's what it says. I agree with that. If you're finishing back here, you're adding motion. If you're adding motion here, what's it gonna do here? We already demonstrated. Even, even if it doesn't, you're working too hard to keep to it. To have to keep it, right. So again, we're concentrating on the wrong things. We're thinking about holding this, we have to think, think about holding the bow arm, and this thing's flying all over the place. Let's keep it simple. Not add all of that extra movement. And the only way to do that is train it by doing drills. Perfect the holding position. Work on blind bail. Watch those people shoot, watch him shoot. Don't watch me shoot yesterday. Watch me shoot at the U.S. Open. That was pretty good. And, uh, and, and uh, no, actually my form yesterday was pretty good. Just my release was poop. Um, go ahead, get a question. Uh, uh, John, you just used the term dead style release, just so I guess we can know what we're not doing. What does that mean? Well, uh, more, more of a dead, you know, the, what you see a lot of in a dead, like a, someone who has a dead release, it's usually just a lot of this oh, right here. It's actually, it's, 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 I wouldn't say staying the same, but it's actually coming forward a little bit, and a lot of times what you see with that is this comes forward and this start, starts coming down. Because they're actually kind of like, they're not really letting the string come through the fingers, they're almost like kind of throwing it forward. Um, so this is hard to repeat, right? Coming forward is harder to repeat, and I would say coming back extremely hard can be harder to repeat. So we're just trying to set ourselves up to, to have something that's easy to follow, you know, shot after shot. But there's got to be a little dynamic, got to be a little tension. You can't, you can't. For me, there's a, yeah, like that's sort of like a reverse dynamic. Like, like you're, it's almost like you're kind of like creeping on collapsing. Um, it is kind of like a, a mini, mini collapse, but you know, you can get away with, with it. I would never suggest it. Um, because you, for me, you need a little bit of direction. So, the, and the idea and how this really, notice we didn't really talk about hard dynamic at all. We're like, we're not talking about, oh, I got the yips. That's not how you fix it. You can't mentally fix crappy form. You have to, you have to perfect the holding position first. The holding position is garbage, everything else is gonna follow. This yeah, that's a little harsh, but it's true. You can, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and the more we perfect our form, the more confidence we get, that and it's gonna, it's gonna take care of cardiac pain itself. Absolutely. And then when we notice the kink in the armor, that's when TP starts creeping in. And if we know what the issue is, we yep. should be able to deduce how to fix it. Yeah, and just and just to give you a visual on that, target panic, like if you had to tear this, you'd have a lack of confidence, lack of confidence, poor form. I, I can I'll put holding position there. Um, um, shot process. I heard, I was listening to Jack talk earlier on the compounds. I said, oh, take about 12 steps. Did you finish your shot process? Listen. <laughs> beginning of our summer, we said, all right, you guys, how many steps do you think you're gonna have in your shot process? And everybody's like, ah, eight, 10, 12, three. Three. <laughs> Approximately, where did you end up? Yeah, it was probably 15, 16. 15, 16? Yeah, he didn't do his homework. He didn't do his homework. Listen, you're talking about something really Go ahead, Maggie. <laughs> I ended around 24. You're at 24. Did you finish? I finished. You finished. You think you finished. You got one. I like <laughs> um, I know. I think I know. Like, a little step better than you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, 24. I, that, that's a good. You know, that's a good, there's a lot of steps in there that you do that are subconscious, you don't even know that you do. Yeah. I bet you if somebody really got a, with a fine tooth comb 
went through their shot process, I bet you're upwards towards 50, even 70. Compound to your letter life says somewhere from 70 to 100. Because there's so many, and think about it. I mean, there's so many things that we do, we don't know we do them, so we can't correct them. Okay, so I have a friend, uh, part of it, and it's not going to happen. No, no, it's fine. It's a basic step. And I about smacked him in the side of the face when I saw him do this. I took him up to his crawl, bumped his arrow, right? So he bumps his arrow, figures out his crawl, he comes down here, and then he starts doing this, he gets comfortable, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you just changed your crawl. You Did everybody know? see that? Did you guys see it? Okay, so, again, he comes up. Turn, turn this way, turn so that, no, the other way. Like, so they can see you there. You know? okay. There you go. <laughs> so, so he, got, he comes up, bumps his arrow, right? Figures out his crawl, comes down here, then takes his hand and reboots his hand and gets into a better, you know, feeling position for him. Where he should have just done it too. What happens? That's just going to screw up your whole crawl. You, you, can move, you can move your crawl literally that much by just moving your hand like that. Um, just simple. Like, he didn't even know he's doing it. And he's wondering why, okay, his left and right is pretty good. But, but it's shoot, up down. shooting field, he was three-earing and three-earing. And he was probably just outside of the goal left and right. Yeah. Because he's doing something simple like that. Sure. Absolutely. How about, here's a question, survey the room. How many of you know how high you, you during the setup, so this is the setup position, how high your goal arm goes? One, two, not many. I know you better. One, two, three, four, five, six. Good. Do you know why we ask that? Is it going to be more repeatable in the back end of the shot if you raise your hand and put your palm over the target? I'm just using that for reference. That happens to be what I do. You put your palm over the target, or if you go high, if you go low, if you go left, you go right. You go to the exact same spot every time. So I'm blanking out, right? I'm going up, blanking out the target, and set up, draw to load, and as I draw to load and come into my anchor, it comes right to the middle of the target. Every time. Never looked at the arrow one time. Go to the same spot. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Or, what if and, and I'm not throwing a dig at people with big dynamic form that is similar to what you see in Olympic recurve, but if you do shoot Olympic recurve, this applies. People are doing this stuff. They go all and flip. What's going to be more repeatable, this or this? It's very simple. It's very simple. Again, to go back to the release and that idea of you know getting stuff and shot process, I want to comment on that shallow release technique. The string pulls through, and I finish where I finish. That string pulling through your fingers and your hand finishing where the barrel of the gun just maintains, that is your true follow-through. Brady, why does the bow have to tip forward and get out of the way? Why? It's a very simple question. Go ahead. Somebody's got to have that answer. Stabilizers. The natural movement of the bow is to go forward and swing. So what does his bow arm have to do? Right? So he's here. Bow arm goes forward. String pulls through. He goes forward. He does the sit motion because the stabilizers. And as that bow continues to swing, this arm keeps going. What happens with this one? Goes with it, doesn't it? So in bare bow, does our bow tip forward? No. No. We all agree it does not tip forward. Because we got weight on the bottom, typically we can figure that weight so it has as minimal movement as possible, essentially. So if this isn't going to move, does this have to move all that extra then too? No, it doesn't, does it? Find your 50-50, equal tension and direction on each side of the shot. You do that, holding in the middle becomes a million times easier. Holding drills, blind bail, progression drills. Um, if you want to know about those, we can go into them. They help the target manage. Learn to get comfortable holding in the middle. You literally can fake it till you make it. Just hold it there. He can hold in the middle for probably at his peak, 45 a minute, no problem. That's a long time. Go ahead. Are aiming drills without shooting bad? Not at all. 
How are you supposed to know what your aim is supposed to feel like? You can keep, like I talked about before, keep shooting 18 meters and see how quickly you get better. Take a month and do just drills. Do, think about progressions of aiming, right? Flying wheel, per perfecting the release, and then go back and shoot an 18 meter shot. Shoot five, do five draw holds, do five blind bail, and then go shoot a shot. I think it's damn near perfect. So that's where, I mean, this, this is, this, I mean, I guess this is hard to panic related. If you're going to shoot, say you shoot 200 arrows in a week, and you're just shooting 18 meters, right? And you shoot an average of 450. That's your score on a 600 round. So you divide that by 60 or the 200 and you know what your average score is. Instead of looking at an average score, that's your rating, that shot. That's what the rating is of all of those shots cumulatively. But if you go to blind mail and shoot 100 blind mail, and you do 105 second draw holds, are those all a 10 out of 10? Roughly, are they almost perfect? Damn near perfect? So what, where, what did you benefit from the most? Shooting 200 arrows at a 4.5 average, or whatever it is, and or 200 arrows, damn near perfect. What's going to have the most carryover? Will that help target man? Will that help you identify and know your shot process? Will that, if you have poor form, will holding drills really, will, will holding drills help your poor form, or your poor holding position? If you're poor holding, you have a poor holding position, the holding drills are going to suck. But when you have a good holding position, they're not so bad. Will your confidence go up? If these go up, I'll get better. Do you see the relation to it all? This isn't really, we all have it, we all deal with it. It's how you prepare for your tournaments and do and have the knowledge of all of this stuff that really has the biggest impact on this. If you go into a tournament with a lack of confidence, that lack of confidence, literally, this could break into what you ate, how much you slept, um, your tune, your equipment. Did you just put new limbs on five days before the Lancaster Archery Classic? <laughs> I'm saying, like, like, stuff like that has a complete relational effect to this that we focus way too much on. Equipment isn't going to fix this. But the way you prepare for everything and you go through this process will. That's why this isn't a bad word. It's not a bad word. The bad word is, are you being realistic? Did you truly put the time and effort in to address all of this and you won't even think about that? Your conscious mind is going to have all of this stuff figured out. Go ahead. Actually, because you keep saying it's a target hat. No, I'm not saying. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I mean, some right. people call think it's a disease. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to talk about it because you might catch it. Yeah. Well, realistically, it's a diagnosis, and it's just a, it is a way of identifying what you need to work on. It's no different than going, hey, I need to work on on my whatever you know, my draw holes to get my shot process back to where I need to be. I need to work yeah. on. And, that, and that's something that you can't even during a tournament. Like if, if my lack of confidence starts creeping in, and I know because okay, my aim is kind of shaky right now. Everything else is strong, but my aim is kind of shaky. I did a little, you know, wanted to let go, but didn't let go. Okay, I'll reset. If I don't reset, you know, I need to be kicked in, in the rear. But I'll reset, and what I will do for me, if if the aim was the, the problem. I change my I change my uh, rhythm a little bit, so I can right then and there on the line, right where it right where it counts. I'll change up my aim sequence. Okay, now it's not okay. When I'm comfortable, I can move into my shot. Now it's okay. Now I got to hold and maintain it a little bit longer to reestablish in my mind that I am in control of my aim. And then once once I get past that initial uh, rhythm, I already got it. I already beat Dr. Pan right there. Like, I didn't have it manifest into anything greater because I know the problem, I identify the problem, and I fix it, and I address, I address it right then and there. Good. All within one shot. One shot. 
Any other questions or comments? Anything you want us to address or maybe help you with before we kind of button this up? Go Just ahead. a comment. Uh, I do want to say thank you for throwing the idea of throws into our heads. This is my first life after the pressure of this epic, crazy thing. So I did like three months of like drills, drills, drills. I'm still dealing with it, you know, strategizing and whatnot, but I did I didn't get okay like today. Normally, if I back at home, I'll get scared from like one person's watching. And that was before all these other stuff. So I totally am like a movie group doing the, the blind mail, the, the 30x drill, the best. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. All that stuff. Like, like super fucking up. This is like my first time here. Yeah. But I, I, mm -hmm. I do understand that people come here and they expect. The, the drills, the drills are the way. It took him years to get to where he's at. And I'm not saying that the drills are like a magic cure. They suck. They're boring. You know, you have, they, but they make you mentally tough. Like, I still do drills if I'm changing something in my shot. Like, if I think there's a deficiency in my release, I mean, I'm going to go right to blind bail. And I'm going to blind bail for three, four, five days until I get that feeling that I want. And then once I get that feeling that I want, I actually do it for a few more days addressing that feeling every time until I get it, you know, borderline perfect every single time. Right on. This has a huge impact on your confidence. If you know, I, I was talking to, I don't remember who it was, um, it wasn't Peter, but it was a similar situation. They were, they were struggling um, today. Um, it was Larry that came to the seminar right above. And he said, he was like, I thought that my shot process was bulletproof. I said, well, what do you got to do to shoot an arrow in the middle? He's like, well, I just thought that my shot process would put it in the middle. You got to know the shot that puts the arrow in the middle. You have to know what it is. You have to know the steps that make it happen and be able to repeat it. The tough part is repeating it. Well, how do you learn to repeat it? Perfect the release, perfect the bow arm, perfect the aim, put it all together. I screwed up my bow arm, perfect the bow arm, put it all together. Screwed up my release, go practice your release, go practice your bow arm, go practice your hold, put it together. Pra practice until your weakness becomes your strength. Exactly. The kink in the armor is what's going to come out when you're down here in eliminations tomorrow. Fix the kink. It's true, the brutal honest truth. It's not this, this isn't the issue. It's the issue that you're not addressing the right things. Address the right thing, and things will get better. We already enjoy bare bow enough, whether we shoot good or not. Well, let's shoot better, and it'll be more fun. Okay, any other questions? No? Speak once, forever hold your peace. Is there any questions online? I can't see because I have the screen dimmed for battery saving. Who, who's, uh, who's doing live feed? Help me. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony. The irony. All right. Well, we're done. Thank you online. Thank you, everyone else. Thank you. Thank you.